0: Let's stand together and turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy. I think we have just about 15 minutes or so, but I want to share with you from God's Word. And thank you for letting me share a few extra things with you. How many of you would say, Pastor Chapel, a couple of those things you said for the summer, I really actually needed to hear? How many of you, come on, you weren't thinking that way. I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about other things, but take that list and let it be helpful in your life. I want to speak to you about continuing for the Lord and I want to charge you from God's word this morning, First 1 Timothy 1:18. 1, this charge I commit unto you unto thee, Son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. We learned about that last night in church. Of whom is Hymeneus and Alexander, by the way, How many of you are glad your name is not in the Bible as someone that was a shipwreck? That always amazes me when I read these names. Whom I have delivered unto Satan. How many of you are even more glad it doesn't say that about you? that they may learn not to blaspheme. We'll, we'll explain what that means briefly in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word, and thank you for chapel at West Coast Baptist College. Thank you for these students. May they grow, mature, and become great leaders for you. Father, may they always be grateful for their time at West Coast, and may they go out and not just make us proud, but may they glorify you, Lord, in their summer life and in their ministry life. Bless our graduates that are getting ready to graduate, Lord, as they go out to serve you, and we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Paul had invested in Timothy for approximately 15 years before he wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy. We know that Timothy is very close as a young uh, preacher, a younger preacher, someone that Paul had seen in the very early moments of his faith. He loved him dearly. And Paul is calling Timothy in these verses before us this morning to be a front-line soldier in the battle. A moment ago, some of the things I was challenging you with were along the same line. That you not be the guy that's in the back of the ranks, kind of slovenly acting and lazy in the summer. I was challenging many of you to take your place in leadership and to live and to act as a spiritual leader in the summer of 2023. So it is with the Apostle Paul. He is challenging Timothy to take his place. And I want you to notice, first of all, in this passage before us, the call to battle. There is a call that is given to Timothy. I see that it is a personal call. The Apostle Paul says, this charge I commit. This charge meaning this is a mandate. Paul was not just pulling authority, he had authority. He was an apostle born out of due time. And he says, uh, I charge thee. He says, I, this charge I commit. Now the word commit is an important word in the New Testament. Uh, this particular word speaks of depositing or entrusting. Paul knew that his life was about to expire on this earth in a few verses later in the second book of of second timothy he said the time of my departure is at hand and so in the process of preparing for his departure he was committing the treasure to someone that would hold on to it and someone that would share it with others in their generation i charge thee he says uh, this charge i commit to thee, Notice this personal call. It is a charge. It is a committing. And then notice this word here, unto thee, son Timothy. All right, let's say that together, son Timothy. Now, some of you have a pastor back home who views you as a spiritual son. There may be someone that's invested greatly in your life. Of course, your own father would, in many cases, feel this way as well. This is an intimate, reciprocal, spiritual relationship, and Paul is coming back to the charge that he had given to Timothy at the very early portion of this chapter, and uh, we see that in verse 2. And to Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, as I besought uh, thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. In other words, this is a part of the charge. He's saying, I I want you to be faithful in the charge uh, uh, that you've heard from me. It was very personal. Ministry always is. That's why we talked a moment ago about reaching back and loving someone. That's why we talked about having a soul winning time. Ministry always involves personally being involved in other people's lives, and so Paul says, uh, "This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy." It was personal, but notice secondly, it was planned. This uh, this call to the battle was a planned call. Verse eighteen says, "According to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare." Now, the word prophecies here speaks of a discourse emanating from divine inspiration. It was something that was more than just, you know, I think that kid might be used of God someday. But according to the word here, these prophecies went before. Paul, as an apostle in the church, is commanding Timothy to carry out a commission given to him uh, by that same apostle, by Paul himself, and confirmed by those in the church with the laying on of hands uh, here Paul is saying, "Look at this was something that was prophesied about you." Acts sixteen and one. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, a son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of uh, of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. In other words, when Paul met Timothy, Timothy was being raised by his mother. His father was not saved. And there are a lot of interesting things about uh, being raised in the home of a divided faith. It is, it is interesting to me. You don't have to have this great uh, father that prayed with you every day and read the Word of God uh, on on, uh, on his knee with you and this type of thing. That's a great privilege if you've had that. Please don't misunderstand me. But if you are not from that perfect home, it doesn't limit God's ability to use you. Right. 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 Timothy was raised in a home with an unbelieving father. Don't forget that. And yet when Paul met him, Paul was able to prophesy, God's going to use this young man. 1 Timothy 4.14, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul as an apostle saw this. It was a Personal call. It was it was a planned call. This was a part of God's plan for Timothy's life. And then it's a perpetual call. Notice this, in verse 18, it says, This charge I committed to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. That thou that that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now the word warfare is an interesting word to me. And it means this. It means a campaign or an expedition. In other words, the warfare that Timothy was being called to was not a one-time battle. It was a lifetime campaign. The call to be a preacher of the gospel is not just to check it out and see what it's like. No, no, no. The fruits and the calling are without repentance. And when God calls you to preach His Word, this is something He intends for you to do until He calls you home. And we see here a perpetual calling, a perpetual battle. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. And so Paul is reminding Timothy of the call to battle. Don't forget that call this summer. Don't get caught up in in, uh, fixing up old cars and flipping hamburgers and doing all the stuff that you might do to the point that you get interested in the things of this world and forget that God has called you to serve Him with your life. This was a call to battle. But I want you to see, secondly, the commitment in the battle. Now notice this, if you would, in verse 19. Holding faith. Say that with me, please. Holding faith. One more time now. Holding faith. He says, now as you go into this battle, Timothy, I want you to hold faith. Holding faith. We saw last night what this word faith means. It means a set of beliefs. It means hold on to what you know to be true. Holding faith and a good conscience which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Now notice the commitment in the battle. First of all, in the battle, we must hold to the faith I was speaking to a wise man the other day about a particular church and they need a pastor and, and uh, I said you know I hope they can get a pastor that will help the church to grow and that's a good hope and this man said to me he's watching a couple of churches that have slid away and even one Christian college that unthinkably has, has turned kind of going woke He said, Brother Chapel, I hope they get a pastor that will help the church grow. Listen to me, men. But he said, I hope most of all they get a pastor that doesn't compromise the truth of the Word of God. Well said. Well said. What does it say here concerning the faith? Holding faith. It speaks first of a possession of faith. Holding. To have in hand. To adhere or cling to. Of a steadfast faith adherence. A, a lot of men today are just kind of holding it loosely. God says, hold to it. Cling to it. Acts 2.42 They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Again, the word here, faith, is uh, the Greek word pistis. It speaks of this idea of holding to a set of beliefs, holding to the doctrine that you have been taught. Listen, doctrine is the glue that holds us together. Be careful being a double-minded man. One day having this position, one day having this position. Listen, uh, no one wants to follow a pastor who doesn't know where he's going with the Word of God. Get your doctrine and hold on to it. 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, when, when these denominations begin to consider doctrine as divisive Theology as troublesome and convictions as inconvenient, consider that denomination well nigh done. And the same can be said of local churches. We need the doctrine of the Word of God. So they were to make a commitment in the battle, they were to be uh, a, a people possessing, Timothy is challenged here, to possess. His faith, notice in verse number 19, holding faith. But then he is secondly challenged to practice a good conscience, to practice with a good conscience. Now, holding faith and a good conscience. Now, the word conscience speaks of his moral consciousness, the soul distinguishing between that which is morally good and that which is morally bad. Some people have what is called in the Bible a defiled conscience. It is like trying to look outside the window that has had hard water crust on the outside of the window to the point you can't really see very well out that window. Someone whose conscience is morally defiled cannot see the issues clearly. Many men switching doctrine today have secret sins morally going on in their life. And while it may not be revealed at this point in time, oftentimes down the road, it is revealed. Ah, there is a link between those that do not hold the faith and those that do not hold a clear conscience. I cannot always define it, but I have witnessed it in my 40 years of preaching that many who begin to belittle doctrine soon will belittle morality. There is a reason the Apostle Paul challenges young Timothy to hold firm to doctrine and to a good moral conscience in his life. 1 Timothy 1.5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Acts 24.16, turn to your Bibles, please. Acts 24.16, Acts 24.16, And herein do I exercise myself, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward others. Herein do I exercise myself, Acts twenty four sixteen. to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Adrian Rogers once wrote, If you want to wreck your ship and lose the war, fail to have a good conscience. Men, listen to me. Keep a clear conscience this summer. If there is a wrong thought or if there is a wrong attitude, repent of that to the Lord and get it right with God. Keep a clear conscience. There is no softer pillow than a clear conscience. Amen. And so, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4:16, "Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine." Listen, theologians, listen to me. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. These principles are inseparable. You may be a great theologian and a terrible Christian. In fact, knowledge puffeth up. You must balance and seek the knowledge, but balance it with a right heart, a pure heart, a moral heart, an upright heart with God. Paul said, Timothy, as you go to battle, I want you, yes, I want you to hold the faith and be a strong theologian. But I want you to do it with a pure conscience because if you don't have a pure conscience, you won't be able to preach boldly what I want you to preach, what God has ordained for you to preach. Spurgeon said, Nothing makes a man so virtuous as belief of the truth. A lying doctrine will soon beget a lying practice. A man cannot have an erroneous belief without by and by having an erroneous life. I believe the one thing naturally begets the other. Truly it does. Right doctrine should beget right living, right living uh, creates a heart for right doctrine. You'll find someone who's not living right soon loses their appetite for the Word of God. And so Paul is challenging Timothy on both fronts to stay right. There's the call to the battle. There's the commitment in the battle. And we close with the casualties of the battle. Verse 19 says, which some have put away concerning faith and have made shipwreck." Here we see the cause of the failure of these that are mentioned. The cause of their failure. They have put away the faith. They have rejected it. They have repelled against it. This is stronger than just drifting away. This is what we preached about last night. The apostasy. This is making a choice to walk away from the truth. They put away their faith. And they put away their conscience. They stop listening to the Holy Spirit. There have been men at West Coast Baptist College who get out for a summer and somewhere along the line, they just say no to God. They're not being convicted like they once were. First Timothy 4:2. their conscience is seared with a hot iron. It is cauterized. Their conscience is cauterized by sin. Oh, let me encourage you. You're not going to have chapel five days a week, but may I encourage you to stay right with God this summer. Keep a tender heart. If you violate your conscience, you're going to pay the price. There will be anguish. There will be regret. There will be be fear. But if you follow the conscience as the Holy Spirit uh, touches your conscience, you will find joy. You will find self-respect. If you violate your conscience, you'll question your salvation. If you you hear the conscience uh, as God is pricking it, my friend, you'll find the assurance of salvation. I want to encourage you this summer. Listen to the still, small voice of God. And surely don't turn away from the still small voice of it. The cause of their failure was that they put away their faith. The consequence of their failure verse 20 of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan. These two men are also mentioned in 2 Timothy 2:16 2, through 18. Paul says something quite amazing here. Some churches don't practice church discipline, but this is church discipline 101. Paul says, "I'm delivering these men putting them into the hands of another. Paul removed these two men from the church. This was something that was known, 1 Corinthians 5, 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. Paul says, they wouldn't listen to me, so I've just... I'm going to let, I've delivered them over to Satan. I don't know what's going to happen to them, whether it's going to be disease or famine or pestilence or sword, I don't know. But they're going to have to pay a price and the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. Now, what was, the, what was the, this was the plan to deliver them. What was the purpose of this? Notice he says that they may learn. Notice that in 1 Timothy. He says that they, that they may learn, that they may have this chastisement, that, that they may understand the error of their way. And notice specifically there in verse 20, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I just want to say this this morning so that we're really clear about this summer. God does not consider our sin a joking matter. Jesus paid for it on the cross. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. He's so merciful and long-suffering with us. He loves us. But when someone starts just playing games with God and just their conscience becomes seared, if you're truly saved, there will come a chastisement. If you're truly saved, there could even come a day when the Lord allows you to go through a time of difficulty so that you will be brought back, or at least ultimately, your soul's condition will be known as a saved condition. Friend, I want to encourage you students this summer, keep a close relationship with the Lord. Don't let your conscience get hardened this summer. Keep a close spiritual walk with God and remember you're in a battle. Take the doctrine and with a clear conscience and go to camp and go to church and go wherever you're gonna go and stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Take your stand for Jesus Christ this summer.